You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Hi, this is Gary Cohen, and welcome to The Road to Philanthropy, a podcast series on everything in the nonprofit and philanthropic world. Today we have a very special guest. No, make that two guests. Individually and together, they are both involved in volunteering in the nonprofit world and being philanthropists. They are Laura Cohen and Larry Cohen. Laura is a graduate of UCLA with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in education. She is a former teacher of middle and elementary education. She also had a career as an executive recruiter in the financial field. Laura is active in the Jewish community as a leader. For over 10 years, she has volunteered for the Jewish Federation of Los Angeles in planning and allegation. She's a board member of the Alan D. Levy Center for Jewish Studies at UCLA, a board member of Hillel 818, and Hillel at Cal Lutheran. She's a member of the Ritual Committee and the Adult Outreach Committee for Temple Aliyah in West Hills. Larry is the CEO of advertising firm Glyphix for the past 26 years. He's a graduate of BU, Boston University, Go Terriers. He's an active philanthropist and volunteer in the community. He's a co-founder of the Jewish Business Leaders, now known as JBL2, and an active member of Provisors. He has served in the Jewish Community Federation Board and the Jewish Valley Alliance. He is the past board member of Heschel West Day School, the current president of Shalom Institute and Camp JCA. He is the current executive director of the Levy Family Foundation and an advisory board member of the UCLA Levy Center for Jewish Studies. Welcome, Laura and Larry. Great to be here, Gary. Thanks for having us. Can you share a little bit about your path from uh, your background and your experience and your education into the volunteer and philanthropic work that you do today? For me, it actually started quite early. Uh, my father, Laser Cohen, um, a blessed memory, uh, when I was nine years old, my father schlepped me up to Sacramento, where he was uh, soliciting funds for a program he started called Meals on Wheels down here in Los Angeles. And so he took me up to Sacramento. We got in front of this California state legislature, and he made a presentation on why we need funds to serve kosher meals to those who keep kosher down here in Los Angeles. And so I just remember the impact of seeing him kind of make a presentation and really looking out for people who didn't have a voice for themselves. And so for me, that was, that was sort of my, my first introduction. I think growing up in, in, in any kind of religious household, whether it's Christian or Catholic or Muslim or Jewish, it doesn't really matter. I, I think volunteering and philanthropy becomes almost second nature to you. You know, you're involved in the school, you're involved in your synagogue or your church. You're always dealing with homeless issues. You got immigrants that are coming into this country who are new and you're trying to help them out with clothes and food and, and, and shelter. Um, so I think growing up in that kind of a household, it sort of gets in your DNA. And so um, while uh, I was away at college, um, I wasn't as involved because I was sort of living that college life. But when I got out, I kind of came back to Los Angeles and wanted to connect with the community. And I found that philanthropy, volunteering was a terrific way to do that and to really start becoming, re-engaging and becoming part of that fabric of the community. And Laura, how did you get involved in philanthropic work? Well, in philanthropic work, I, I really have to say that, you know, growing up, I always knew I was Jewish, but it was actually through Larry that um, I became part of the nonprofit and Jewish world through volunteering through Federation. 
And um, it was really through a, a group of, at the Valley Alliance called Jewish Young Couples. And, um, and through that, I, I saw what a rewarding experience it was. It began with Super Sunday, and then it moved on to other, uh, other areas. And it kept growing and growing the more impact I saw I could have. And for those listening uh, that don't know, Super Sunday is an annual event in every major city, probably small cities too, where the Jewish Federation raises money in one day to start off their campaign for the year. So both of you have worked on both sides of the philanthropic table. You're donors, you work as volunteers. What is most rewarding to you about the work? I would say that the, the most rewarding thing is the the growth and impact that I, that I can make about in the nonprofit when, when I feel like I've left my mark. Let, let's say um, I have something like an idea that I want to cement into it, like I want to teach a value or something like that. So I want to teach about continuity, leadership, identity, community. So this is a concept I have to get across. So how do I make it fun? How do I make it work for everybody? So I'll make an acrostic out of it and I'll say, let me make it click. Continuity, leadership, identity, community. And so if you have continuity in Jewish Judaism, that means that the message clicked and lasted. If you become a powerful leader and um, you're inspired by that, then the teaching click. Um, if you're connected to your identity and you find something that goes into your heritage, well, then you clicked into your heritage. And then if you found yourself being embraced by community, then you've held the clicker for life. So I, I think the bottom line answer for that is, is to find a metaphor or an image and, um, and, and a concrete idea that people can hold on to and make them go forward to help them develop their passion and want to bring something special to the organization. And Larry, what about you? What's rewarding to you in your work? When you're a donor, you have a voice at the table some, some of the time, depending on, 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 the, uh, on the relationship. And so you're able to, as Laura said, you're able to bring your ideas, your passion, um, your goal to the table. And because you're supporting it with your, with your resources, you have more of a voice. And it's more of a kind of a collaborative effort. When you're a volunteer, I find it very rewarding, but you're, I, I think then you have a place where you're there to implement the vision of the, the organization. I, I find volunteering wonderful because you get to meet amazing people. You all have sort of a common bond, a common spirit in terms of wanting to help the, uh, the organization move forward. And so I think getting your hands dirty, whether you're working uh, you know, on a food line or, or giving out camp gear to kids, or you're up at, uh, up at a facility doing environmental cleanup, it's very, very hands-on. So I actually really enjoyed both aspects of being a donor, as well as getting my hands dirty and being a volunteer. As many of my listeners know, I was involved with the San Francisco Food Bank for many years as a board member. But I think the most rewarding time I spent was when my daughter was eight or nine years old, and we'd go down on Sunday morning and help sort vegetables and fruit uh, and throw out the, the bad ones and keep the good ones so that the food, food bank staff could then distribute it to the people in need. Uh, very rewarding. Uh, Larry, you're involved in the Shalom Institute. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what the camp is all about and what's going on there now? Oh, boy. You've got a couple hours, Gary. We can, we can chat about it. <laughs> um, thank you for asking. I appreciate it. As the it. fire gets closer to Lake Tahoe today, yes, uh, it, I understand. It, it, it's very, very real. Uh, you know, the Shalom Institute, which, which is the home of Camp JCA Shalom and, and, and Shemesh Farms and a number of other programs that we do, is up in Malibu. Uh, unfortunately, it was burned down uh, in the fire in 2019, and we had COVID. 
So we've had a, di a difficult couple of years, um, although I'm really proud to say that the last, led this last year, we had an amazing epic summer up at uh, Gold Creek, which is a facility that we rented up in the Angeles National Forest. So we were able to do camp this summer for the kids. And I can tell you coming out of COVID, it was unbelievable. Uh, we got letters from parents that were just off the charts in terms of the appreciation and gratitude. So we love that. So um, as, as I mentioned, the camp you know, did burn down. We spent the last year and a half working with architects in the city and, uh, and the state and the Coastal Commission, working on plans and permits and trying to get back on the land. Our next step, once we have our ducks in order, is to go out there and raise a ton of money to rebuild um, and to get all of our programs going. Um, a lot of the programs we've been able to, 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 to house at other facilities, uh, the Malibu Synagogue has been very helpful with, uh, with, with our Shemesh Farms program. Which is, a pro which is a program that we, we run for young adults with special needs, teaching them uh, employment opportunities and how to you know, really deal with money and, oh, and, wow. and business, that type of thing. So it's, it's a really rewarding program. And you see these young adults out there who in the past, I have to tell you, didn't have a lot of opportunities to get out there and really do things. And um, they get out there, they plant, they grow, they package. On Sunday afternoons, you can see them at some of the local farmers markets selling the, selling the goods. So it's an amazing program. And so um, the camp's gone through, a, or the Institute rather, has gone through a, a difficult couple of years, but we have an incredible board, an incredible staff. Uh, Bill Kaplan is the, is, is the uh, executive director out there, and he's done an amazing job really keeping it all together and moving forward. And so we're optimistic. We're looking for that silver lining where maybe three or four years from now, we'll look back and say, wow, that was a disaster. But we came out of it with, a, with maybe a brand new facility, you know, rethinking our programs, more commitment. Um, that, that's basically where we are right yeah. now. Good. Well, yeah. I have a background in Jewish camping, too. I was on the board at Camp Hess Kramer for nine years. Right. And they, yeah. too, were burned to the ground uh, a couple years mm -hmm. ago. And the year yeah. before that, uh, the, the reform camp, Camp Newman, burned to the ground. Right. And that's where my daughter went to camp. And that was really a traumatic thing for the kids. To, to, you know, she is an adult now. She was in her 20s when the camp burned. But still, it's a very big impact on the memories that she had there and the life. How many kids uh, go to camp at Shalom? Uh, Camp Shalom. Uh, we usually get seven, eight, nine hundred over the course of the summer. Oh wow, so, great! Yeah, we have a pretty good number. You know, I have to say, Camp Newman—they've been super helpful with us because they, unfortunately, they were a year ahead of us with the fire. So we sort of called them up and said, "Hey, we just burned down. What do we do next?" And they were wonderful in terms of these are the people to talk to. These are the issues you're going to face. Here are some of the architects for rebuilding. Um, it's a sad situation that we had to make that call, but they were wonderful in terms of really helping out and guiding us. It's a very tight uh, camping right. community. You know? And for me, having spent a lot of uh, adult summers, uh, weeks in, in Tahoe, watching all of Lake Tahoe get evacuated, it's just a, a shock what's going on in the environment today and, and California oh, yeah. and Oregon and Washington and all those areas. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. You are listening to The Road to Philanthropy. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Laura, tell us a little bit about the Levy Center for Jewish uh, Studies. How did that get started? Uh, what's your involvement in that? My father actually became involved in philanthropy through Larry and I, and he's always been interested, but um, he was very, very busy with his career. And then he was approached about a donation at UCLA, which has been his love since he's been a little boy, and about Judaism. And so he thought about it and thought about it, and he felt that this would be the thing that would be his legacy. So he named the center, and it became the Alan D. Levy Center for Jewish Studies. And um, it's been in existence for about um, 35 years, and he's had the name for about seven. 
and um, Larry and I both joined the board as board members, and um, we've been um, very, uh, well, we've had some very um, interesting experiences there because there's, you know, lots going on, but, um, but it's, it's been a, a growing experience and a learning experience. I would say, to be a part of it. Do you find it challenging in the environment we're in where there's a lot of anti-Israel sentiment on campus? Um, I do find it challenging. Um, I do find that I'm having to listen a, lot, a great deal. Some things um, um, I have to listen to with a very open perspective. I may not always agree but I have to listen because um, there's huge opinions on both sides and I have to reconcile. What we do try to do is go back and be fair and we also have a wide variety of things that we look at. So we look at um, Jewish history from all different levels. We look at American Jewish history. We look at Sephardic Jewish history. We look at history of LA. So it's a very, very interesting, well-rounded scope of Judaism, and that's the exciting part. Laura is the uh, is the more diplomatic of the two of us, which is why she gets invited to cocktail parties and I don't. Um, <laughs> it's not just GCLA; it's it's most colleges say. Uh, I find them very, very, very challenging, and I find them unfortunately I just don't see eye to eye with most of their you know political positions or their position on Israel most of the time. I think a lot of them create a very hostile environment for Jewish students, which I think is unfortunate. And so um, at least we have their ear over there and we do talk to them uh, frequently about how we can make canvases more welcoming to Jewish students, because I think it's getting really out of hand. And uh, I think there's a lot more we can be doing to create an environment of open conversation and not one of such uh, heated debate constantly and one-sidedness. I did watch the video from the Levy Center uh, that's on the webpage. It's a very interesting overview of the work that the Levy Center does. Uh, and uh, it had a lot of nice pictures of, uh, of uh, the combination of East Los Angeles Jewish life uh, in the video, as well as uh, things going on in the, in the, in the wider world. Um, Let's go on to a little in the broader community. Are you guys involved in, in uh, volunteering at all in the broader community, not the Jewish community? You know, it, it's a great question. I, you know, in, 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 a, in small ways, yes. You know, uh, friends of ours get us involved in different programs and whether it's cancer research or AIDS walks or things like that or volunteering downtown. We've taken the kids downtown for, you know, working at the food banks, things like that. So, so, so for individual events like that, yes, we definitely do. You know, our position is really that we like to get involved in things that we understand that have an impact on us and our communities. And the Jewish community is sort of the community that we know we know best. Um, and there's such a, a small pool of people who can really support those efforts. We tend to really focus in, in that area. Um, again, there's so much out there. There's so much amazing charitable work being done and so many amazing programs. You sort of can't do them all. So I think for us, we sort of pick the lane. Um, but again, whenever we can, we love supporting other organizations as well. And most of our friends are involved in all kinds of different organizations. So we always get, you know, pulled into those events as well. That would be called getting hit up for a donation, right? <laughs> is, is that why they don't take my calls anymore? <laughs> Yesterday, I was in a, I was in a conversation with uh, some of the leadership of the ADL in LA and the Western states. And we were talking about philanthropy and what drives people and, and Jews to giving money today to different organizations. And there's been a, a very wide range of Jewish gifts in Northern California and Southern California to the broader 
arts organizations, museums, symphonies, and things of that nature, and not as much uh, impact on the Jewish world. So there's a lot of dynamics going on in the giving in the giving world. So yeah, well, you, and you look down here in Southern California, you look at the Eli Broads of the world, and David Geffen's, and people like you know of that stature. Yeah, most of the money goes to non-Jewish organizations, you know, which is great. Um, so again, I feel like we we not that we can, but we try to we try to fill in the cracks when we can. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say in the non-Jewish world, there was one board at Cal Lutheran that I was on, and it was a Hillel at Passover, an event where they invited Jews, Christians, and Muslims to the Passover Seder. And it, it was one of the most outreaching seders that they could do. I thought it was it was a beautiful way of building community uh, among uh, different um, groups. And actually, you didn't even have to be Jewish, Muslim, or Christian to come. You could be of any denomination. Right. Um, and and that continued to go on at Cal Lutheran. And um, I really. You know, private universities have a great way of being able to embrace that. I know public universities are trying to do that more. Um, and that, I feel, is really a mission that could be very beneficial. An aspect of, of your life. What, what kind of mentors did you have in your life that helped advise you and, and, and bring you to the place you are today? In the, either in the business world or in the philanthropic world? Who did you learn from as you were getting involved in the business world as well as the philanthropic world? In terms of professionalism, um, years ago, I hired a gentleman named David Ullman, who was an old time, when I say old time, just because he's older than I am, uh, Madison Avenue advertising guy from New York. And, and he was brilliant. He was this character who had just so much knowledge we worked together for about 10 years and I just stole everything I could from him because he was just terrific. And I learned a lot from him. Uh, even when he was busy yelling at me, I would listen to what he was saying. And so he was a great, he was a, he was a great mentor in that sense. And we're still friends. Um, very, very creative guy. Wrote some of the big ad campaigns you've heard of. It was just a, a real talent. And then from the philanthropic side, you kind of learn from everybody. I mean, working through Federation, you learn a lot on how those professionals work. People like Carol Kransky and John Margulis and you know those guys. Um, so you learn from them. Uh, 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 I would say we learn from our kids too. You know, uh, you know, Laura and I are in our fifties now, and our kids come to us with what's happening in the community. Um, yeah, it's particularly with with regard to access of Jewish life for for their peers. And so, what we learn a lot from our kids. Um, our daughter Rachel's over at USC as a Hillel professional, and our son Adam just graduated from Northridge. And so, we look to them and their peer group on what's missing. What what do you guys need to to engage in Jewish life? It's very different than what our peers. At our age, need and so they're they're wonderful in terms of educating us. Very good. And Laura, how about you? Mentors in your life? Well, one of my strongest mentors was someone named Rosemarie Wolf, and she began a company called Royal Staffing in Sherman Oaks in Westlake. And she was a, a woman who was so strong and really ran a business like I had never seen. And she tried to make all her employees have a win-win situation. So, you know, and a lot of us were commission-based and she worked it out so that we could really succeed and thrive. And I, I just, I had my most successful career working for her in the, in the financial industry. And I carried that with me and I, I left with a real sense of confidence. Very good. And, um, and she's still out there and she does so much good philanthropic work. So I, I pride myself in knowing her. Um, as far as um, a mentorship, I can't speak highly enough 
about Carol Karansky. She was on the Planning and Allocations Committee. And whenever she would talk and clarify a situation, I would sit there open to mouth at the diplomatic way she would explain things and say, I want to be her. Can I just switch bodies <laughs> and somehow walk out and have the Carol Karansky attitude? Because she knew how to sum up the situation and let you know why the organization was suffering, what we needed to do about it, and how to get in there and do it. And because of her, I took on mentorships that I never thought that I would ever end up doing. And I joined boards because of her. So um, shout out to Carol Koretsky. Very good. Well, I know everybody, you know, we, we look at our lives and our backgrounds and all of us have mentors of some kind. We don't always talk about them and what we learn from them. But it's, it's good to know that, you know, you have some and especially in a, a volunteer operation or a volunteer situation like the allocations committee to, to learn from people that are older and wiser. And, and then you become older and wiser yourselves at some point. Over the next few years, what kind of priorities do you have in the business world or in your uh, your volunteer efforts? Larry and I both have a, a joint project that we'll be doing, but Larry is going to be taking the, the helms of it. So um, I'm going to let him start and then I'll sort of add as okay. we go along. When Laura's father sold his company, Omega Technologies, he decided, and we decided as a family, that all the proceeds would go to a family foundation. Um, the, uh, Omega as a company over the last 36 years created technology that really improved the lives of many people. The product is in everything from uh, Apple iPhones to satellites to the Mars rover. And that's what continues from in a, in a philanthropic sense that the money is going to have an impact on improving people's lives. So um, the foundation was just started last year and this will be our first year really giving away, giving away, you know, a, you know, a meaningful amount of money. And so I think for Laura and I, it's really about uh, building relationships and figuring out how all this works. Uh, we want to be very responsible about it. And although in the past we, we have, you know, been donors, um, at this point, um, we want to make sure that we really have kind of a long-term perspective on what we want to achieve with the foundation. So we've come up with a mission statement and all the things that you would normally do with with a, with, with a business. And so we asked some strategic goals. And so for us, it's, I think, about learning and fine-tuning the process of how to uh, open up for, for grant applications, how to evaluate them, how to build relationships with, with others in the community who can help us leverage our dollars into other programs, and really learning about what the needs are. So um, again, taking a, a, a slow approach, but a long-term view on how we can start partnering with other organizations, uh, not just in LA, but also in New York, where Laura's sister Elise lives, um, and even, even as far as Israel, we can find programs that excite us that are sort of startup entrepreneurial in terms of, hey, we need some seed capital to get this off the ground. But once we're up and running, we can be self-sustaining. Those are programs that excite us. Um, and so I think, again, building those relationships and, and figuring out how to move forward is really what Laura and I are going to be focusing on the next couple of years. Do you have any specific program areas that you are looking to fund? starting small so it'll be invitation only in one sense it's broad in that it's about really enhancing and accessing you know jewish life so that could be anything from you know music and art or you know research or you know, education camps birth friendships whatever those things are I, I think right now there is a big shift in the jewish community and i think you have a lot of new people coming to the table um, you've got Jews of color, you've got um, LGBT community, you've got mixed marriages. I think finding ways for everybody to access Jewish life and find something meaningful in it 
um, uh, is really an exciting area to sort of play in. And so in addition to, again, the Hillos, the camps, the UCLA's from an educational standpoint, there's lots of cultural ways to sort of engage folks in Jewish life. And so if we can find you know, programs that are really opening it up to the world, um, I think that's an area that we, that we like to play in. Again, I know some organizations will focus on you know, cancer research or environmentalism. Um, we're not that specific. And so we like to keep it broad. So if something comes across our desk that, that looks like it has a lot of potential and that, that's exciting, that's interesting for us and can use some seed capital, uh, we, want, we want to keep a very open mind in terms of impact. Very good. Laura, anything you want to add to that? Well, I, I think because we're new, you know, we really are trying to define ourselves. As Larry says, it's broad. We're starting to review. We want to do the best we can because we really, really want to help. And the organizations that we can impact, we want to see a change. And, and we want to be able to see a measurable change. So we're coming up with tools that, that we can see change. And, and our grant process, we're hoping to um, be able to have it be written in a place where the, we can have a partnership and the organization and us can really grow together. So that's going to be a portion as well. Well, I'm going to make a suggestion. Uh, so this is not total, uh, you get something out of this interview with me today. There's a guy in the Bay Area named Zach Bodner, uh, is the head of the Palo Alto JCC. And before that with APAC for many, many years, he just wrote a new book that's coming out in November called Why Do Jewish? A Manifesto of 21st Century Jewish Life. And I'll send you a link to it so you can have it. But he really speaks to you know, how to, how to deal with all the new things in the Jewish world and how to reach people in a different way. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my background, when I ran Temple Emmanuel in San Francisco, I kind of like was pushing the edge on different things. We mm -hmm. actually started a street fair at Sukkot and had Jewish arts and cra crafts in the streets of San Francisco for many, many years in the 1990s. And people were saying, what are you closing streets to do Jewish? You know, and that's, mm -hmm. but Zach's book is really interesting. And I think you'll both enjoy it and enjoy the uh, information from it. I love that program you started, Gary, because it's really, it's really pushing Judaism out of the synagogue and into the streets where people live. I yeah. think the more, the more we can do that, the, the better. It's very important. And, you know, when, when we were growing up, it was like you got married, you had a family, you joined the temple, and that's not what's happening today. There are things like Moisha House and there are things like Urban Adama, which is a, a, a garden, uh, acres of, of, of farmland. They're grooming in Berkeley and having young adult education programs there. A lot of different things. Wilderness Torah, where you go on a hike and then do Torah study in the, on Shabbat. It's, so a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, over your careers in your different work, whether it's advertising or whether it's executive recruiting or your volunteer work, you've had many relationships with board members and clients and professionals. Tell me about one of the great favorite experiences you have with someone that you just had a great experience with and you can't ever forget what happened. I would say that what mine was at the Levy Center with Mary Pinkerson. She was just the she, she was small. She was um, orthodox and and she wore a wig, and but she and quiet. But she helped me to grow, and we worked on community projects together. And so it, from city hall to um, to student government. And it was so much fun to work with students on projects, 
and have them come up with things. So some of the things that the students created through working with her were like a whole food tasting and they would pair and have so they would have an Armenian Jewish cafe. They had an Armenian Arab cafe. They had a Jewish and Japanese cafe so that every culture could blend and um, learn about each other. So um, she was really the person help me learn how to grow and work with students. Philanthropy is wonderful in that it opens all kinds of different doors for you, as you know. So we got involved um, uh, because of my involvement with camp, we were invited over the summer to spend a week with Harold Grinspoon. Um, Harold Grinspoon yes. is a gentleman who started PT Library and he, Harold's very involved in camps. Every summer, Harold has camp for adults at his, at his home in Aspen. And so we've gone a couple of times to that. And so one you know, summer afternoon, Laura and I find ourselves hiking in this just gorgeous mountain area along a stream. And next to me is Ambassador Dennis Ross, who every summer, Harold would invite great speakers up for the evenings. You have dinner, and then you have a speaker. So here we are hiking along this trail. Dennis Ross is standing next to me. He's telling me these amazing stories about the Saudi king is doing this, and the other prince is doing that. And he's talking about presidents, and he's talking about what's happening in the world. I'm just thinking to myself, how often do you get an opportunity in this kind of environment to just talk to someone like they're just a friend or a buddy or you know, just anybody normal? and having access to this incredible talent and this incredible brain trust. And it's because of people like Harold that open their doors and invite you in. So, um, you know, that was one experience I'll never forget. And again, it, it was never planned. It was just, you get involved, you volunteer, and Harold being the gracious gentleman that he is, invites these people, puts them in a room and says, okay, now talk and get to know each other. And so I got to know Harold over the years and spent some time at his home and just an amazing guy. But again, it's philanthropy that opens those doors and gives you access to some amazing people. And when you're not working, what do you like to do? We like to travel and go to places. We, um, we, uh, we loved Italy. We, and we love to go to places that have historic background, that, that go through time. Israel has been wonderful. And um, we, we love exercise. So um, any, but I, unfortunately, I've exercised so much that I need knee replacements. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I will be back exercising post knee replacement. I and Larry love to see films. We like films based on um, histor historical fiction. So that, and um, Larry's much more of a fictional reader than I am. I love really anything that has a, a gripping storyline. And Larry, how about you? Uh, well, for me, it's easy. It's hiking. I got a, I got a bunch of hiking guys, many of the guys you know from, from JBL. And uh, we hike three, four times a week. We get out there in the hills, Simi Valley, Malibu, um, all over LA. And we just like, we love to hike together. And it's just a bunch of guys who um, work hard and in the evenings or on the weekends like to get out and just kind of be kids and hike around. So we do a lot of hiking and then other than that, I love to cook with my kids. They're both good in the kitchen and we put on some old 70s music and we just cook up a storm. So for me, that's that's the best the best I can do. Well, I think the best thing about living in California, whether it's Northern California or Southern, is there is a great amount of outdoor activities to do. Uh, oh, yeah. And I lived up in the Bay Area in the Oakland Hills for 30 years and we had the East Bay Regional Park District up there where we would hike with our dogs and up there dogs can go off leash and you know uh -huh. chase things and run back and forth and we did hours and hours of hiking in the redwood trees it's just a wonderful experience and actually uh 
there's a story that uh, my uh, uh, years ago there was a sermon done by one of the rabbis at Emmanuel about how to be spiritual without being in synagogue and talked about a woman who was walking and hiking in the hills of Oakland with her dog and how great it was. She was really close to God and her spirituality. And about two days later, I'm with the senior rabbi who's just dumping on on the on the sermon and how bad it was. And we got you know, no one does that kind of stuff. And I looked at him and said, well, maybe no one does it, but that was my wife he was talking about. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> she know, would it, go out for hours and hike with her dog and just be at one with nature, you know. Well, you know, that reminds me of the old Abraham Joshua Heschel line, you know, I pray with my feet. You know, as he would walk with Martin Luther King, that was his version of praying, being out there, you know, on his feet and, and, and walking. You know, for us, it's, uh, yeah, it's getting out in nature and just really um, connecting. So uh, however people uh, connect, you know, that, that's good, good for them. So the last question I have is, is there anything I forgot to ask you or I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Uh, you didn't ask if either of us have ever been convicted of a felony. <laughs> should I? <laughs> the answer would be never convicted. So okay. see the handcuffs? <laughs> well, I remember, you know, uh, last summer when the Black Lives Matter was marching in Hollywood and everything, my daughter said, called me and said, I just want you to know that I'm going to march in the, in the, on Hollywood Boulevard in the, in the march. And I said, great. Uh, take down this phone number and this name for me. And I, what's that? I said, uh, Jake Glucksman, criminal attorney. Right. You never know when you need it. <laughs> exactly true. Exactly true. I'll add before we go. Larry plays guitar and my daughter plays ukulele. And they really can pull out in a pinch any song that you need to hear. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking part in the, in the, uh, in the show. We appreciate your involvement. And uh, I thank my listeners for listening in. I think next month we have another guest. I can't remember who it is, but uh, I will let you know uh, by my email list. And uh, uh, thank you again for being on the show. Our pleasure. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.